Hey, I'm Scotty Young, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Another good one. All right, that's cool. I thought it was fine. Well, no, fine's a shitty word. I thought it was wonderful. No, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I mean, I just I know that this, you know, there's, there's all this ambiance outside. So I like it. I like it. Fine's oh, the I know, I know. Fine's the word you say when um, you're trying to squelch something. No, no, no. Fine, fine, fine. Just go ahead. You know, do do what you want. Like it's it, it's a placeholder for your real feelings, but there aren't your real feelings. It's like the inverse of your real feelings when you say fine, mm-hmm. fine, fine. At least people who use that word to me, like when my kids go, no, 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 fine, fine, Dad, fine. I'll just do it, and they never end up doing it. You know, they just say fine just to placate me. So I don't like the word fine. That's why your woohoo wasn't fine. It was wonderful. There you oh, go. It was a well hung woohoo. Huh. Well, that's fitting. Yeah. Special episode, y'all. Oh, yeah. Get a theme on, y'all. I like the theme episodes. That's a little salty at me because I'm going to cheat, but. Wait, what do you mean? I'm, I have a tie for it's one of the top them. six. No, oh, I, I have a tie. And you'll see yeah, why. So when you have a tie, you, you leave off the last one, so you still have your five. I can't do it. I told you why, and I'll tell the people why when we get there. That's fine. That's fine. Listen, I it's just a tie. Uh, it's it's a top whatever you want. It, it's cool. I'm not. No, it's a tie. It's why. It's why. It's, <laughs> it's why. So it, salty about the about breaking in the number ranking. It's why everybody. You know, it, it's why on Facebook, it's like, hey, what's the best thing you read this week? Well, these three things. Okay, that's cool. But you know, whatever. It, it's like it's a surprise to him that I don't follow rules. No, it really isn't. It really no, isn't. it shouldn't be. It would be more of a surprise if, if you did say, here's my five. I, right. I would have grasped my five. Here's my 5.1 because I got a tie. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry. That's the fine again. See? There, he just oh, did yeah, it. He's dropping the fine. Oh, I did. Yeah, wow. Well, that, then I guess you're right. Right? Bad salty about it. I'm a fine magnet. I'm a fine magnet. People just throw that word at me. Whatever. Hey, everybody. What is this? What are you supposed to say? You're cute. It is 11 o'clock comics, episode 611. And it's a theme episode, so get ready. And I'm Vince B. Oh, you are the record breaking Vince B. I am David A. Price. Woo! That is true. You are both who you say you are. And of course, I am normal. Aww. <laughs> oh, no. It is. Okay. You're not normal. You're not normal either. You're Jason Wood, you deck cleaning savage. And we're all. Uh, Deck's stained. Is stained it, it. He stained it? Stained it, yeah. Nice. Yeah, how, it. how long did that take? Uh, I mean, it, took, it took the day. It took, it took like. I got up at nine, was staining by like 10, was done by five. Do you spray or brush? Both. Oh, interesting. I have a sprayer. I sprayed, but then I brushed. I dry brushed behind it, trying to even it out. My man. Yep. There you go. But that's, no. If you're, you're going to do it yourself, got to do it right. That's right. It's true. You're not normal. You're Jason Wood, as we said. And here we go. This is you a theme. You upset them. I said I was normal. Well, because it's a portent of things to come. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Starting this off hot. Yeah. 
where was I? Oh, yes, it's a themed episode, uh, as chosen by our beautimous Patreons. We floated out uh, a little, uh, hey, hit us with a themed episode so we can do you right. And they did in the, the what were the two, the two top, um, it was what this is, and then there was another one, right? The the second in, uh, in line. Guilty Pleasures. Guilty yes. Pleasures, yes. Yes. But just that, to, but, go ahead. just to what? I was going to say, just to flesh that out a bit, it's our EOC New Gods, who are the patrons who are wonderful enough to belong to that tier. Uh, it's a $20 a month tier, for those of you that are wondering how you might join in on the fun. And uh, among many other goodies, you get to pick a specialty episode if you're a part of that. Yep. You also get to be part of a, a little little uh, private Slack channel. Look at us. that. It's you awesome. Join that tier. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they done picked it. Uh, the winner of the themed episode as chosen by our new gods was favorite comic strips. Top five yes. favorite comic strips. Well, no, they, they just wanted us to talk about comic strips. But we, we tweaked it a little bit. Jason tweaked it or David tweaked it. Someone tweaked it. And uh, the result is we have chosen our top five <clears throat> favorite comic strips. And that's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear at least five. Oh, yeah. Maybe even 12. Mm. No. <laughs> no, I'm not going that far. But uh, And in case you're wondering what this uh, Patreon thing is about, you can just uh, shimmy on over there via your, your internet uh, browsing device, and you go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. One, one, no apostrophe, 11 o'clock comics, and you will see what we do. And another thing that we do is the book of the month. It was my uh, turn. Remember what we said a couple episodes back that, hey, wouldn't it be a good idea if one of us every uh, third of the year just takes the reins and floats anything that uh, they deem necessary into the running for the book of the month? And that's exactly what we did this this month. And I was up first. Um, And the list of books for this book of the month was uh, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. By Jack Kirby. All-Time Comics Volume 1. Josh Bayer and Company. Out of Floating World. Saga of the Swamp Thing. Volume 1. The Shadow Master Series. Volume 1. Master of Kung Fu Epic Collection. Colon. Weapon of the Soul. Warlock by Jim Starlin. The Complete Collection. Doom Patrol. Volume 1. Brick by Brick. Jazz Maynard, Volume 1, The Barcelona Trilogy. Fantastic Four Epic Collection, The New Fantastic Four. Rick Veach's Brat Pack. And the House of Penance Library Edition. And the winner, with a... I don't know how to do percentages, but it got a lot of votes. Uh, The winner was Saga of the Swamp Thing, Volume 1. So that's what you're going to be hearing on this month's Book of the Month. The runner-up, the next in line, was Doom Patrol Volume 1. And then the third was Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen by Jack Kirby. That was your top three. But we're going with the winner because it got the most votes. And it's uh, Saga of the Swamp Thing Volume 1. Alan Moore, uh, uh, Steve Bissett, John Totalbin, and it is glorious. And we're going to get into it. So there we thank our patrons for voting on this and we hope you enjoy the result in a couple of 
weeks. How about that? Yeah. Yes, sir. So what do we got drinking? Well, I'll go first because hmm. uh, it's it's nothing unpredictable. I am drinking seltzer. Mm-hmm. In this case, uh, I have a mandarin orange and a uh, pink grapefruit ready to uh, follow that as soon as I polish off the orange. Yep. One of the things I love most about you is your steadfastness. If you say you're going to do it, um, Jack Kirby himself could come down from above and tell you, stop it, and you would not do it. You heard. You are nothing if not uh, determined. Oh. Yeah. So what I'm drinking is um, I'm finishing off this Molson Triple X. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's XX Extra Crappy. But I'm finishing it off nonetheless. So that's what I'm drinking. It 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 serves the purpose, I guess. Mm-hmm. Dap, enlighten. Uh nothing fancy. Um still the uh bread and butter cabernet sauvignon. That is the best. That's good. It's real good. Who did, who buy this time? Oh, the bread and butter is the name of the is, brewery? Is is who Vince and bottles it uh, in Napa, California. Yeah. Ah, because when you say bread and butter, that means, you know, your your essentials, and you do love the Cabernet. So I thought you were being, you know. Ah. Yeah. I'm not that witty. Sure you are. All right. If we have no thank yous. Uh, actually, <laughs> I have a thank you from my aunt. Oh. Um. She and uh, she and her spouse came to visit yesterday, and she hands me a little bag um, that had two comics from Free Comic Book Day. But she also gave me a autographed by Michael Allred uh, trading card from Marvel Now uh, of Ant Man from when he was in the uh, Fantastic Four. Um, that's from Upper Deck, and. She gave me a pack of cards that I have not seen in many, many years. And she hands me this, this deck of cards, this pack of cards, and she says, I'm giving you this because I want to be on the podcast. And it is DC's Cosmic Cards Inaugural Edition from Impel before they were Skybox from 1991. Nice. I love this set because you had the Golden Age, the Silver Age, the Modern Age, whichever versions of, of the heroes would be. And, and when you put them in the nine, the nine card sheet in your binder, it looks fantastic seeing the three sprawled across uh, each row. It was, it was a great set. So um, that's not the one she, with the holograms, is it? Uh, this has bonus holograms randomly inserted. Nice. Yeah. I did not open it yet. I hope you get a hologram. I do too. If you don't, I have them, so I can just give them to you. Oh, you're your sweetheart. <laughs> uh, chances are, though, she will. Um, I will see her at New York Comic Con again this year. Woohoo! I'm sure I'll see her before then. But yeah, nice. All right, it's time. Well, it is. Uh, but I, Vince, um, maybe you, you maybe misled them a little bit by saying it was solely going to be a top five episode. Because it's just really supposed to be a discussion about comic strips, including the top five. Oh. 
So there's so, there's time to wander a little bit. There's a little time to meander, okay. which would be good because Dap otherwise would be salty if you mentioned anything more than five strips, even in name. So this might give you a chance to name other strips. But, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, but don't, don't get any ideas. <laughs> but uh, I mean, first let's let's talk a bit about uh, our history with with strips, like all personal history. Um, you know what? What? Because um, I I have a feeling that our younger listeners are probably like, oh yeah, I heard about these things. These these newspaper strips, um, but uh, for me it was definitely. I, I never really made the direct cor- correlation or, or drew a direct line to my enjoying comic strips in the newspaper to becoming a comic book fan, but it certainly probably played a role in a lot of our uh, transition because it was serialized sequential stories right with with words and pictures um but comic strips were a huge part of my life until probably um probably until i went away to college and then i didn't really read a newspaper on the regular at that point and then they made a big resurgence in a different way which we'll get to um once i had kids but uh but i definitely think it's a seminal part of my evolution as a consumer of this kinds of fiction how about you guys well i would if i was a gambling man which i'm not but if i was i would bet that the majority of comic book fans our age 40 plus had encountered the medium not through comic books initially but comic strips I right. would I would bet that the first exposure anyone of our generation had to sequential art was in fact in the newspaper a comic strip. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. They were omnipresent when I was a kid. I mean that the the comic section was thick as a brick to quote Jethro Tull. But um and and they were so diverse. Um you had your your uh Prince Valiant which was gorgeous. To, to look at, but dry as AF. And then, you know, and you had the Blondie and the, and the Peanuts, and th- there was a, cr- a beautiful cross-section, Dick Tracy, a beautiful cross-section of styles and genres, and now, what is there, like four comic strips still running? No, no, a lot are still running. It's just that they're being syndicated in different ways, mainly on the Internet. Yeah, I mean, our our Sunday comic section is pitiful. In fact, I haven't looked at it in years. Uh, well, I haven't gotten a print newspaper and, I mean, delivered to my home in 15 years. Wow. Well, we still get the Sunday paper. Okay. Because of the coupons. Sure. But um, the, uh, I forgot where I was going with this. But the, um, like I said, the the Sunday section has dwindled to nothing, but... Um, I, in fact, I stopped reading the Sunday strip when Calvin and Hobbes ended. I was done. I'm like, well, there's no, really no reason for me to keep going to the Sunday, the, the comic section, because the, the, this, this wonderful strip, um, the only reason why I was coming to the, the section in the begin in the first place is now gone. So why bother? You know, I mean and, that was twenty four years ago. So. Yeah, and and <laughs> you're making it feel like recently you gave it up, but that was well, that was our our a long time ago. Yeah, wait to hear my my top five point one list. There's nothing 
I, there's nothing contemporary. And contemporary meaning within the last 30 years. That ended within the last 30 years. There's, an, in fact, well, this may be blasphemy. Is it on your list? No, no. Oh, Christ. Nope. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. I have to recompose re re myself. No, here. that doesn't mean I, I don't love it. Of course I love it. It's wonderful. But I I love the ones that made my list more. Sure. That's fine. Yeah. It's, and it probably has to do with how, like, our that probably does come down a little bit to our, our slight difference in age. Yep. Right? Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, so, like you said, people listening to this that are our age cohorts know what we're talking about. But for those that don't, I mean, um, this is, although many comic strips still exist and they do exist on the Internet, um, the peak of their popularity was very much when we were young into our early adulthood um, and before that, too. But I mean, sort of the, 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 the very, very peak, uh, commercially at least, was in the... Uh, late seventies through the very early nineties, and and really the internet had a lot to do with the waning popularity because of its being these things were directly tied into newspapers. The way it works is they were syndicated, so a creator would make a comic strip and would go to get it published somewhere. Sometimes it would appear in just one newspaper at first, and then if it was popular, uh, it would get sold to be printed in other newspapers. And then the most popular ones, the ones that you're all very familiar with and we're probably going to have on our list, ended up being syndicated pretty much to every, at least one newspaper in every major city um, across the country, if not the world. And as Vince mentioned, usually there were um, three, four panel, single vertical line strips of a lot of the series in the regular daily papers. And, uh, and then on Sunday you'd get a giant uh, multi-page full color usually um, of these strips and including some that were only weekly. So you'd get some strips as well that you didn't see the rest of the week. And uh, I just vividly remember um, being a kid and coming down for weekend breakfast and um, you had your Saturday cartoons and then you had the Sunday comic strips. Uh, I would just remember eating breakfast, just, just asking my, uh, Parents, if I could, if I could get the comics from the newspaper because they were reading the rest of it, and uh, spending the entire breakfast just pouring over each one, and it was awesome, very nostalgic. Yep. Some of That's my like I never read strips. <laughs> about. Some of my fondest memories are from the the comic strips. Um, most notably, when uh, the Star Wars strip, when Al Williamson was drawing it. Sure. Good God. Like, that was a reason to, to get up. I actually cut them out of the daily and the Sunday. I cut them out, and I made um, a, a book of, of uh, manila paper, and every day I would read it, cut it out, paste it in the book. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I stumbled upon it many, many, many years later, and the glue that I used had eaten through and turned brown all the strips. But, I mean, I still have it. It's around here somewhere. But that was my daily task. I would cut that damn Star Wars strip out and paste it in this book every day. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. How about you, Dad? Um, no matter where we were, if when we lived in New York, um, 
my father would come home with the Daily News every day, and I would read those two, three pages. It, it, if it was a comic strip, if it was a drawing, I read it. Whether I mean, I had my favorites. I had the ones that I, I really enjoyed, but I still read even uh, Doonesbury. I, I looked for, whether it was political cartoons or even the cartoons, the the panel gags in, in the uh, sports section, I read anything that was a drawing in the newspaper. And then every summer, my brother and I would go to Massachusetts to be with my grandparents. So I'd go with my grandfather to the newsstand and um, come home with him. And I would read and be, and it was different than the daily news, which was a tabloid style paper. And they have the traditional homegrown newspapers, the local joints. So the comics are usually in a different section of the paper. So that's the part I would snag. Um, which was always opposite the TV guide, which is what my grandmother wanted. And I would just read this one long page of strips as the strips would get smaller and smaller, but it didn't, it didn't matter. I, it, it was almost a game for me to go to different places, go to different wherever we were and see what comic strips would be in that newspaper compared to what I would get back home. Um, because this was before the internet, so I couldn't read um, Foxtrot in the Daily News. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that you was know. you. Were, that's another thing, right? That like again, forget generationally. We we didn't have the internet, so I remember to your point. Every now and then, I guess when you're on vacation or whatever, you'd see another newspaper and you'd see a comic strip and you'd be like, "The fuck is this? What is this?" What is like you didn't even know, but The thing is, you didn't even know they existed. It wasn't like your friends were like, "Oh man, like." you down with that comic strip because you're like they all live near you so they got the same papers there yeah. so you there were strips that were syndicated for decades in fact there's a few on on i came across doing some research for the episode i i'm pretty sure i never had access to these strips and they're some of the longest running strips of all time um that was just the way it was man like i guess a com a newspaper only only had so so much room for 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 comic strips and they just uh a lot of them just didn't make it to, it was, to your particular paper it was a um Rye, New York, used to be the home of the um, Museum of Cartoon Art. And I got to go there a couple times before they moved. And um, they had a cartoonist profiles magazine with capital P-R-O. And uh, they would have interviews and interviews with, with comic book cre- comic strip creators that you know weren't in my regular paper. So I'd get to read some strips there. But it um, it just it opened my eyes to who the people were. Like I I knew who the credits were in a comic book, and and depending on certain magazines when I was older, and and picked up fanzines, and I got to see who some writers and artists were, or photos from conventions and stuff. But the comic strips were still just they were the people who created the strips were more of a mystery. Or, or I mean, I obviously yes, everybody sort of peanuts, and they were the cartoon, or they were the the seasonal specials that they would air. Um, Dennis the Menace, of course, was a TV show for a while, and I, I knew things that where comic strips were the source material for. But um, yeah, it, comic strips were just, and it would it 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 would pain me if I missed a day because a lot of the strips that I really enjoyed were 
had ongoing stories for for the week or for whatever. But it if it, it a lot of the strips would run the five the six days Monday through Saturday and and every day you know it, it would be a self contained strip, but they would all have some theme and then um, it'd be something different on on Monday. But I it, I enjoyed the strips, even the one panel joints like Family Circus. Um, but you'd have the one off punchline strips and and something different the next day or you'd have um strips like the amazing spider-man which were just ongoing stories and and even the sun including the sunday same thing with dick tracy um so yeah it it didn't matter if if i uh it i would not go to bed that night until i got the um the daily news from from my father whenever he got home so i i read it Every day, not a day went by, and then when I no longer got the newspaper, then I I signed up with GoComics.com, so this way I could at least read them online, stay stay up to date on on what's going on. Because while I'm not getting a newspaper, my father still is down south, so this way we can still kind of you know chat about whatever the latest strip is. Um, but yeah, it, it's just it was it was such a part of it was it was part of my life even before comic books, but, uh, yeah, I just, and the strips that I had to read every day that, um, that were there before I started reading the strips. Uh, those are the ones I always think about when I think of newspaper strips, newspaper comic strips, but the ones on my list are either, um, started right around when, Short, started after I started reading strips or were um, a lot newer when I was well after my teenage years. But yeah, they, they were just, it didn't matter. It didn't matter what it was, whether, whether it was Hagar, whether it was Blondie, whether it was, it, it, it was just, it was going to be read. And even whether I got the joke or not, um, I just wanted to see the different art styles and, and check out the different lettering styles. I, 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 absorbed it all one of the things you mentioned about the identities of the uh, craftspeople behind the panels i think for comic strips it's it's particularly difficult to get a handle on the creative teams because in many aspects a lot of them were ghosted by guys you never knew until much later when they started doing the the history of certain strips and it's like oh yeah for many years frank frazetta drew the strip and instead of you know al cap and it's like ha, i did not know that you know mm-hmm. um, oh, john burn and funky winker bean right there was guys but there, there, there was manipulations behind the scenes that we weren't privy to but it looked the same to us to our mm-hmm. our young eyes but the there was shifting and a lot of moving around of deck chairs and it was kind of cool now it's neat to learn that but back then it didn't really matter to us yeah yeah you know no, but, it was it was more of a when i you, know, you read a monthly comic book and if someone else is if spider-man has a different artist that month you know you know it's going to look different and you know you can kind of tell someone's style and and that's great but a comic strip has to look the same so yeah if whether you know jim davis had signed that 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 garfield strip he may not have had anything to do with it and and that's that's probably the the closest thing i i well 
I guess it was like that with back in Eisner's day when he was doing the spear, which of course was a strip, but it was, it, it's, it's like, I think it's weird to say this, but, and, and I'm, it, it's going to get lost in translation, but it's like the closest thing I can think of that uh, as far as what I consume as, as like a sweatshop or, or just, it, it's like the animation style studios where it's just, you know what a Disney movie looks like and whoever's drawing the latest animated feature, uh, whichever dozens of guys are doing that are way different than the guy or the guys who illustrated Snow White may not be around anymore. So, but it still looks the same and that's, Strips just always that that one particular strip always looked the same. There was there was no no uh, no variance at all. Yep. And one of the things um, that came to me from I'm going to use the word, but it's not true. Maturity, uh, i.e., getting older. Um, back in the day, there were a number of strips that I would just pretty much scoff at, or um, like Family Circus. And, oh, I had to follow Billy Get Home. Nope. I, but I no, I, back in the day, I was like, sure. oh, I don't, I don't like the style of this. I didn't. I mean, those weren't the words in my head, but the approximations of what I was thinking. I don't like how this looks. This is too. It's too pure for me. It's too. You know, it's too um, uh, American. I don't like this thing. But um, over the years, I've grown to appreciate Bill Keen because, um, and in my class, when we get to the sequential art section mm-hmm. of it i go down I, I go down the list and i i cover comic strips as well as comic books and i put and and i have i i, I pose the question what is comics right and i'll put up a, a a page from will eisner's the spirit and i ask is this comics and they're like yeah of course it's comics it's sequential art right and then um you know and then down and down and down and i get to bill keen and i put the panel up with it could it's more often than not bobby running through the backyard it's one panel, but Bobby's running through the backyard with the dotted line, and he's going all over the place. And you could see Billy. how Billy, and you could see how he's how he's moving. He goes in the house and out of the house. He gets something. He pets the dog. He goes up the tree. He goes in the neighbor's yard. Like, and and you know it because you follow the dotted line. And I ask the question: Is this comics? And they say no because it's one panel. And I uh, I, mm-hmm. I, vehem- I vehemently disagree with them mm-hmm. because even though it is one panel. It's still art in sequence. That magic dotted line. Bill Keen was a magical son of a bitch because it's sure. the only thing that elevates it out of a static one image, um, one panel strip. And I don't even want to like to call a one panel strip a strip. It's it's a one panel image, but it's comics because there is so much time some that passes within that one image that you can trace the motion of the kid through the thing and if it, it is sequential art the the art doesn't change it's static but that magic dotted line is everything and i give bill keen a ton of credit because he i'm, I'm sure there were more people like me that poo-pooed family circus as being you know for for whatever reason not in the big leagues with the other giant names of of uh comic strip art but i think bill clean he needs his due he's he's a sly bastard and yeah it's still a little too pure for me but i appreciate it much more than i did when i was younger the same with um uh foster's prince valiant i hated prince valiant as a kid i thought it was boring as fuck and a lot i didn't even understand the majority of it but there was no denying that it was a beautifully illustrated strip 
I mean, absolutely gorgeous. Now I, I acknowledge it as being as gorgeous as I thought it was when I was a kid, but I still think it's boring as AF. Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I used to read it, A, because it was there, so why not? And B, it was always noticeably beautiful relative to some of the more simplistic art styles that were on the page with it. Yeah. But I'm with you. I never found it engaging. No, it's 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 too Shakespearean for me. I can't have that. Can't have that. No, it, it it's, makes me go to sleepies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but how cool was it? When you opened up your your daily paper, your Sunday paper, and you saw the amazing Spider-Man with the comic oh, strips. Yep. That was a monumental day. I don't even remember. What was it, around 70, 75, 76 that the amazing Spider-Man strip started? Stan Lee, Larry Lieber? Um, I think it started uh, 1977, yeah. Yeah, my my took us. I thought I Spider Man. This is one of my characters, and it's on the funny page. Like what? And my dreams were crushed because we never got the Howard the Duck strip. <laughs> our, our paper didn't carry it, but mm-hmm. we did get the Spider Man strip, and that was okay by me. I was like, "Whoa, this is great." Mm-hmm. They're speaking my language now. You're speaking your language. Yeah. So. One thing I think is cool about uh, this this is is you know there aren't too many art forms that are decidedly American, mm-hmm. um, but newspaper strips definitely are. Now, comic strip, like if we want to broaden the definition, it's not really fair to say it was an American thing because nope. serialized, illustrated stories have been around for almost time immemorial. Um. So really, since the advent of the printing press, they've existed in some form. So, but uh, but the U.S. is definitely the first country to popularize newspaper strips uh, and syndicating them. And uh, it seems that um, a lot of places lazily give credit to um, Richard Occult um, for being the first. Uh, in 1894, and I was surprised by how many places not only you cite him as the progenitor incorrectly, but also misname his strip. Like most places, will tell you, oh, the Yellow Kid by Richard Outcault in 1894 was the first U.S. comic strip, and that's wrong on two fronts. Because number one, um, his strip was called Hogan's Alley. Uh, the yellow kid is the most popular character in, right. in Hogan's Alley. Yes, it'd but be like calling Peanuts Snoopy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so that's weird. Um, and and it's certainly true that 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 was like the first massive commercial success of this kind of thing. Um, but Rudolph Topher, um, who was actually uh, European, but uh, his comic strip called "The Adventures of Mister Obadiah Oldbuck." Uh, first started appearing in U.S. newspapers back in 1842. Um, he created it back in 37, but it was only in European newspapers, and it made its way to uh, New York and then beyond in 1842. And I actually went back and read some because there's it's it's uh, public domain now. You can see, find it online, and uh, you know it's 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 of its time. It's it's about a a, a goofy. Uh, Genteelman, 
of the time kind of going through his life courting ladies and you know trying to do his daily business it's not exactly a joke a minute but uh but props to him either way i do know of one that precedes it really Mm -hmm. but it wasn't well i guess it invalidates it because it wasn't printed in quote newspapers Mm. but hokusai did uh manga in 1810 well, I was just talking about U.S. Yeah, but I'm just saying, I mean, if we want to go back to the beginnings of this stuff, sure, I, yeah, yeah. I would mm-hmm. guess that Hokusai, well, I mean, if, if you want to go to the back to the beginnings, I'm, get, I'm guessing the Lascaux cave paintings are the first comics, right? But, yeah, uh, yeah I think um, if, if you're going straight to the newspapers, then yeah, Hokusai, it doesn't count. Some of the academic uh, journals accredit uh, Germany and England with what would probably, I think, more appropriately be called the grandfathers of the uh, political satire panels that we have today. Um, but but there were strips, or sometimes uh, multi-panel strips, even back into the 1500s, that almost always related to some kind of political or um, church criticism and protest. So, like I said, it, it, it's, it's hard to say that this is... Uh, that that's that serialized uh single line uh cartoons are are an american creation but but the newspaper strip is very much something that we can hang our hats on yep so um all right should we should we do our lists let's do it okay top five or so comic strips (laughs) he has to giggle but um i just want to say one thing before we go into this yeah Comic strips, by and large, um, even though they're dwindling in the newspapers, there are outlets for them that you can relive the best of the best. And one of my favorite outlets is edited by Rick Norwood, and it's Comics Review. Mm. It's still being published today. It's mm-hmm. it's a hefty tome. It comes in at about 128 pages. Um, and I don't know the frequency. I think it's every – I think it's quarterly – at this point, and it's mm-hmm. twenty bucks an issue, but you can get reprints of Russ Manning's Tarzan in there, Flash Gordon, uh, Mandrake, Steve Canyon, uh, Alley Oop, Crazy Cat, uh, The Phantom. I mean, I remember when we, well, you, of course you do, when we our first trip to Heroes and we pulled into that little your first trip to Heroes, my yeah, yeah well, our, our Heroes, but yeah, our meaning all three of us. Got it. Um, and I, we went to that little uh, Fayetteville. Uh, the flea market stop. The flea market, yeah. I got about 40 issues of Comics Review for a yep. buck a piece. Yes. Yep. And, I, and I still I read them all the time. They're, it's an amazing magazine. And, and there are others. Um, more often than not, uh, reprints of vintage comic strips are pricey as hell. Uh, and I don't know. They're archival. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, yes, the production value. Yeah, it does a ton of Unless unless it's Hermes Press, which are garbo, um, the they are archival. IDW does wonderful collections of uh, archival comic strips, but they're very expensive. Like it'll cost you fifty, sixty bucks a volume, and in many cases, if it's published by Tashin, it'll cost you two hundred dollars. Right, right. So, uh, but there are they're out there. You just need to search for them, and uh, it, it's well worth it because, for my money. I love my comic books, but 
I think the and I I do love my Jack Kirby, but the real masters of sequential art are from the strips. They had much more of a limited space. Yep. To do magic in it's yep. it's I can't and it and you know I'll read certain comics and I'll be transported to you know a various issue of of Burns Fantastic Four or anything that I bought in the eighties. It'll make me think of. Mm-hmm where I was and where I bought it, but it's, it's comic strips that just bring me back to my grandparents' kitchen or sitting in my bedroom reading the newspaper, the, the, that section that it just, I, it's such a major part of my childhood and, and right, right. the fact that the, the art form still, still continues. And I may not, I may not keep up, with everything there are, if I do have a newspaper in my hand, or if I am thumbing through a website and comic strips are there, I will look for the ones that I read way back when. But um, yeah, I just it it was such fantastic, such such great memories of mm-hmm. of the strips. Yeah, it well, it was and is the only reason why I would ever open a newspaper. Uh-huh. Because yeah. I, I have no time for local news. I don't care who's schmoozing who or what happened down the and street. And that's why I got some of it. Was it was um, it was, it was a, a sign of things to come with like things like the Daily Show for me because that's where I got a lot of my, especially from Bloom County. That's where I got a lot of of my what was going on in uh, in, in current events was in some ways from comic strips. Yeah. Well, see, that's I don't have many rules, but. One of, if you look at my list, once the dust settles, there are, there's almost, well, there's not, there's no political strips on mine. I, I love Doonesbury for the, for the art style, but I have to admit, back in the day, I didn't understand any of it. Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't. I mean, the, all the subtle, all of Trudeau's subtleties were just lost on me because yep. I, I didn't know who, who he was poking fun at. More often than not, it was Nixon. When I when I first started reading yeah, it, yeah, back then, yeah, yeah, but I mean, I didn't understand what he was talking about. I just I wanted to see, you know, the guy smoking dope, or you know, um, a I didn't know it then, but a takeoff on uh, Hunter S. Thompson. Like I, I didn't know what these were, but I I liked the drawing style. I thought it was cool, but yeah, as, sure. as far as the plot, I had no idea. Yep. Um, you you mentioned Vince other places people can find them, and Dap kind of alluded to it when he said he. Uh, subscribe to go comics but go comics is still still exists i yep. i don't subscribe so maybe i don't know if you still do but but uh, they have uh, just doing a quick look at at the at the uh comics they carry on the site uh i'm guessing the vast majority if not all of the comics we're going to name in our top five are available on go comics so nice so pre- I, well i i don't know vince is a tougher one to figure out uh, so maybe but but a lot of the the certainly the most popular comic strips of all time um, are available there, so it's actually a pretty cool site. I, I remember going to it years ago, and I didn't stick with it. So, um, but yeah, it looks like it's pretty, pretty cool. It's an impressive selection. I don't know how much it costs or anything like that, but uh, I don't know if you know that, that but not offhand. I, I love my subscription. I was on the um, years ago. They allowed you to sign up for pretty much every strip, and then it would be emailed to you every morning. Um, okay. So it was just like, you know, reading your own section in the newspaper. Uh, they have since, I think, scaled it back. I don't think they let the... I think in order to see the um, 
to see multiple strips on a page or even emailed to you, I think you need to be on a um, on the membership, and it is uh, twenty Thank bucks a year. Yeah, I was going to say nineteen ninety nine a year. That's very reasonable if you're a comic strip aficionado. Yeah, especially I mean, considering what everything that they have, and it's not it's they have archives, so you know if you missed. A week, you can go back and read those, and and they have a ton of political strips, and and just it, it's where uh, you can read Little Donnie. Yeah, and um, oh, really, oh, I didn't even ever put that connection together. Yep, I just always read it when Mike posts it, and yeah, then nice. we have the collected edition. And okay. I, have, I have a ton of um, newspaper comic uh, history books, and uh, mm-hmm. one of the best, and it was given to me. I, when it was first published, I believe 1977, uh, the power of the Smithsonian collection of newspaper comics by uh, Bill Blackbeard and Martin Williams. It's an amazing, amazing book. And uh, not knowing a whole lot about uh-huh. comics when I was, let me see, 77, I was 12. Um, this really opened my eyes and it, I mean, it just, t- it, it went beyond the things that I was encountering in that flimsy newsprint it, it told me the who's and the what's and the why's and it, it's just an amazing book and uh you can get it for for peanuts on, on amazon used it's like no you, you you can pick it up for like under under ten dollars and it's well worth it it's a beautiful essential book mm-hmm. yep so uh number five jason why don't you go well, we can do the, the whole snake thing yeah, we'll do the snake thing. We'll do the snake thing. Is that yeah? You want to you want to snake it? We do we'll snake, snake it. it before you make snake it. it. That's right. Um, okay. Um, well, much to uh, no one's surprised that it's on the list. I guess I would say, uh, but but maybe the the fact that it's only number five might surprise people. Uh, Peanuts by Charles Schultz. <laughs> Excellent. Um, the uh, series ran from 1950 to 2000. Well, it still runs, but it's it's uh, reruns, a re- re-syndication of old strips now. But um, And the reason it's only number five is not an indication of, of its quality. I, I could easily put it number one. For me, it's, it's number five because um, of all the ones on my list, it's the one that I, I read the strip, but my affinity for the characters and the work is definitely... Um, more pronounced in other forms because growing up, I mean, the, 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 the holiday cartoons, uh, collections of the work, just all were things that I remember more vividly from my childhood than the daily strip. So, um, I probably don't need to explain to anybody else, uh, what peanuts is about. Obviously it's, uh, it's, and in fact, we just got done spending a whole episode and, and, uh, and then some talking about weapon Brown, which is a parody of it. Um, so yeah, I love peanuts, uh, but again, it just it, I couldn't couldn't make it atop my list because um, the cartoons just resonate with me more than the strip itself did. And fun fact before I hand it off, uh, probably again not too much of a surprise, peanuts is without doubt the most profitable comic strip characters of all time um, because again it went into so many other cartoons and toys and merchandise and um, at one point in the two thousands. Peanuts was generating over a billion dollars a year in revenues. A year. It's amazing. It's really I, insane. 
I remember I, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing a Joe Cool bumper sticker or, yeah. or a window decal. Absolutely. So my number five, Peanuts. That's great. Um, Peanuts is a favorite. It's um, it's one of uh, my aunt had um, the small digested the, the collections of them. I absolutely adore uh, Sparky's original look for the kids. With uh, it, it's just I there's something special about it, and and like you, Jason, probably because of just how much more it is beyond the strips it it's, it's probably why it's not it's not on mine but i can't um there's no way i can dismiss how important it is to uh to me growing up but i think my number five it was tough um but i went with get fuzzy by uh Darby Conley, which is, it's not, um, it's not very old strip by, um, by any means. It, uh, it started in, um, was it two, 1999, sorry. Um, but I, I, Conley's style for the strip, uh, is fitting the, uh, the, it's one where I would hear me or my friends uh, in the characters. It, it was it was just more, even though it was a dog and a cat, and they're human. It was it it just definitely spoke to me in in a way that uh, the other strips, because they were so much older and had been around since before I was, that it it uh, it just um was funny in a hey your grandfather made a joke kind of way whereas get fuzzy was was a lot more contemporary and it um very dry and i just i chuckled quite a bit whenever um i read one of those strips this is a perfect example of what we were saying about the the breadth of this uh of this art form i i've i had never i've never heard of this before wow same the uh, I, I, I've never I have no frame of reference. That's insane. I, and I, I wonder if I, I if if you saw any images from it, if if you may have just been been aware of it. I mean, I've absolutely. I, I've if you see Satchel or or Bucky Cat, who, who Satchel is a Sharpay mix. Bucky is is Siamese. Um, Rob is like I said, they're human. Uh, who's an advertising exec. It, it's um, but if you see like them or a panel of it without without context, I, I I wonder if maybe you've ever you've probably seen the calendars the the three hundred sixty five it, it, walking around at the end of the year. But yeah, as far as the strip, it's weird. I don't know. I actually don't know if um if I've even been seen it in in a New York newspaper. That you mentioned, I've seen it. I I became aware of it online, but I don't know if I, I if I pick up in. Uh, I haven't read the Daily News in ages, but I don't I don't think I've ever seen it in a New York newspaper. Yeah, there you go. Neat. Vince? My number five is Windsor McKay's Little Nemo in Slumberland. Nice, because 
when I first encountered it, I was I was just shocked because I had seen nothing that looked anything like what Windsor McKay did in within his strip. Um, it was very realistically drawn, but the rapper was this surreal mindscape that we entered in Nemo's dreams. And the entirety of the strip is not reality. It's this unconscious mind that Nemo goes on these adventures within his, his dreams and anything was possible. You had the bed growing gigantic spaghetti legs and whipping across and it would walk like a, an AT, like an ad at. And, uh, it was it was just an amazing visual feast for me, and like I said, I had seen nothing like it before, and I don't really think there's been anything like it since. Um, yes, we know a bunch of guys that do homages to it within you know in that Kickstarter with that big gigantic little Nemo book. It's it's a it's a landmark strip. I mean, it, I think the the ripples that permeated from Little Nemo and Slumberland are still coursing through sequential art i mean uh there's a lot of 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 properties that are very much beholden to little nemo whether it's in theme or in execution it's just a a, a monumental achievement and mm-hmm. i i obviously i'm not that old so i didn't see this thing in the newspapers but i went once i encountered it i i tried to get as much of it as i could because it was it was this I, I I elevated it on a pedestal because it was just so different and so unearthly. But um, and I have all the collections and I've re- I've read it and reread it. But I have to admit, about a third of it really doesn't make any sense to me. Um, the the uh, the the one liners are of the time, and I am not of that time, so I don't understand them. Um, and there's the there's a component of it that is is again of the time where you had characters of color running around being depicted as as you know of a certain style and and it's not it's frowned upon today but back then that's you know that was accepted and it doesn't make it right or kosher or acceptable but it, it is what it is it it is it is of its time and uh I just think it's a monumental achievement Visually more than thematically, but thematically mm-hmm. too. I mean, it's just, it all plays out in the unconscious mind. It's great. It's, sure. yeah. I mean, that's one I have immense respect for, uh, but I have to say it didn't, didn't come close to making my list just because I didn't read the strip as a kid. I don't think we had it. I don't remember. I never really was that conscious of it until becoming a comic book fan and seeing collected editions of the stuff. And then right. later, later on I got turned on to it. And like you said, I mean, the artwork's just stunning and I have that Kickstarter and I, I have all the issues of Gabriel Rodriguez's return to Slumberland. And, yeah. Which was great. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and I have a couple collected editions of, uh, of the, of little Nemo, but it, yeah, like you said, so it's something that I, I definitely appreciate very much. And I think the art is exceptional, but it just wasn't, I, I, I didn't experience it in the zeitgeist of it being a comic strip. so Yeah, well, I don't think, well, none of us did. No. Right? Yeah. I, I, I right. think, I believe it ended in 1929 or something. Oh, 27. Oh, I didn't 27. That 27. Okay. There was a 10-year gap, though. It was, it was from 1905 to 1914, and then came back in 1924 and ran for three years. Yeah. Yeah. So, Vince, before you do your number four, speaking of that, do you could you take a guess for what the longest-running comic strip is, American comic strip? 
without cheating. I'm, I'm not cheating. The longest running American comic strip. The, um, it doesn't have to be still running. It's just that, you know, it has, has the record for. I think I know. Okay. It's not Peanuts. No. no Peanuts no, is no. not in the top ten. No. And I think of it because it's one of the only ones that actually kind of um, ran in real time, where the characters actually aged with the reader. Um, I want, I may be wrong, I want to say Gasoline Alley. Damn, that is a hell of a good guess. That is the second longest running strip of all time. Okay. Started in 1918 and is still going. Yeah. Is it Blondie? Another good guess. Blondie is the sixth longest running. Started in 1930 and is still running. Oh, I know what it is. What? Popeye. Uh, another good guess. That is <laughs> the that is the fifth longest running. Started in 1919, a year after Gasoline Alley, and is still running. Huh. The number one longest running comic strip, and, and I tried to give you a hint, it's actually not running any longer, is the Cats and Jammer Kids. See, oh. 1897 to 2006. 109 <laughs> years. Damn. <laughs> by Rudolph Dirks. And here's a little cool. Remember, I, I alluded in the history section. There was someone else that we we're going to talk about. It is Rudolph Dirks' Cats and Jammer Kids. And here's what's cool about that. It is credited as being the first known use of word balloons. Yeah. Which, again, as, as comic book n- nerds, where would we be without word balloons? So, right. Yep. Uh, really quick, so that the, you guys got, you're pretty good. Better, not bad guesses. Uh, number 10, Little Orphan Annie, 86 years. Ali Oop. Uh, 1932 to the present. Dick Tracy, 1931 to the present. Uh, Bringing Up Father, which I've never heard of, um, ran for 87 years, 1913 to 2000. Uh, As we mentioned, Blondie is number six, 1930 to now. Uh, Also, as we mentioned, number five was Popeye, originally called Thimble Theater. Yes. But uh, same strip from 1919 to now. Number four, just a few months before Popeye, Barney, Google, and Snuffy Smith. Oh, yeah. Snap. Which is still running. I, I had never heard of that. Yeah. Um, number three, also still running, Ripley's Believe It or Not. <laughs> um, number two, Gasoline Alley. And number one, The Cast and Jammer Kids. Oh, that was nice. There you go. A little bit of edumacation. Edumacation. What, what's yeah. your number four? Who are you talking four. to? You. you. Serpentine. All right. Well, um... <laughs> My number four is a tie because oh, here, we go. here we go. But I got to say, they are inseparable to me because I I derive the same kind of enjoyment from each one. Both of them are um, centered around cultures that were totally alien to me back in the day. Um, I'm, I'm, of course, talking about Alley Oop by V.T. Hamlin and Little Abner. By Al Cap, of course. Um, you had the dog patch in Little Abner. You had Moo in in Alley Oop. Both cultures that you know, I was I was an outsider. I was an alien. I, I knew nothing about Southern living and or you know prehistoric man. But the thing that really fascinated me with both of these strips are the way each of the creators drew women, especially Al Cap and. I didn't know at the time, but Frank Frazetta. The women of Dogpatch, 
especially Daisy May, <laughs> yes, and uh, Moonbeam McSwine, they made me feel things um, in my underwear that I didn't understand at oh, the time. <laughs> no, really. And and the same thing with, with Alley Oop. Like, Ula was, was gorgeous, and the way that um, Hamlin drew her was, was amazing to me. And, of course, you know, when you have dinosaurs in the mix, I'm going to love it, right? But then he threw in a time machine, uh, and it, it just went all over the place. And uh, the schmooze in uh, Little Abner, I, I these two strips, I really can't separate them. I mean, even though they're two autonomous things the the uh both of them to me the feeling i get when i read each of them are is the same puerile maybe but beautifully illustrated and um like i said two cultures that i uh, from which i would learn things all the time like there were there was something that existed beyond the realm of of pennsylvania and this this southern tinged alley oop was just crazy. like Sadie Hawkins Day. What the hell is this? I didn't know what this was. And then it it permeated into the culture. Like we had a Sadie Hawkins dance at school, and I'm like, yeah. I know where that's from. That's from alley oop, and and it's just not alley oop. Um, Little Abner. It was amazing to me. Gorgeous, gorgeous strips. I love them both. So that's my four. Sorry. What is it again? That's my four and four point one. <laughs> but I don't have any other ties as I'm going on here. Attaboy. Uh, do you know, know the ties? No. Okay. My top five. Which one is split in half? Mm, that's weird. Um, my number four is one that I started reading on one of my summer vacations in Massachusetts because it wasn't a New York strip, and that is Foxtrot by Bill Ammond. It started in 1988. Um, it is presently, it's still going, but he only produces Sunday strips and that's been going on since 2007. I think he's been at Heroes and if he is there next year, I will, um, say hi. It's a strip where, um, the, the family just constantly, um, cracks me up and it's not, it, it's not a situation where, um, the family consist of where the kids are smarter than the parents um it's uh you have um the mother the father uh it's the fox family um andy is is the wife andrea uh roger and peter page and jason jason is the smart kid can build a robot out of a of toaster and and some rubber bands um Definitely. peter is uh is is the high school student who um is is more laid back a little lazy page is the um the 14 year old who uh almost at that obsessed with boys type age and um jason is constantly um pranking her and and uh getting on her nerves but there was there was a there was one theme week where jason was imitating uh, the Terminator from T2, or Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator from from Terminator 2, and it, the way Emmond wrote it, where even even with the the accent, where you know he he'd show up naked in the final strip and and say your clothes, give them to me, and I would read that. It's it's 
GIB instead of give and, and I, so you can hear Arnold when you, and it was just, it was, of course you read accents if, if you're reading any issue of, of uncanny X-Men, but to see this in a comic strip and this little, this little boy come up and, and because Jason's so damn short, he's, you know, basically it's just from his head and maybe some of his shoulders in the last panel of the strip. And you know, he's naked from, from the neck down and it, it but it, it's, it's a strip where I, it makes me laugh more often than not. And actual, it elicit actual um, laughter and not just a, a smile or, or say, oh, that's cute. Or, you know, yeah, that, that'd be funny. But it's, it's a strip that is special to me, is, is a favorite of mine because of the memories um, it evokes and, and just well drawn. And I, um, I like, I like a family where everybody's kind of on on equal footing. I mean, Roger does um, does become the butt of some jokes from time to time. Andy, of course, being the the, the wife, is is smarter than he is. But um, you know, no nobody is set up to be the actual. Uh, there's no Homer Simpson or, or Peter Griffin in the strip. It's it's um, it's entertaining and, and it's it's been a lot of fun over the years. You are two for two, my friend. Oh damn! Well, it's like I, I said, I I lived in you know we lived in Yonkers and, and everything like that, and I didn't read this in any any daily in any any New York. I could only read it in the summers I was in Massachusetts. Yeah, no, I mean this one, unlike uh, Get Fuzzy, I, I I certainly knew existed because it's it's uh, it's on quite a few best of lists, and as we'll get to, some of our our patrons chimed in and it was on their list. I, but I've but but I have never, at least in my memory, I've never read a single strip of this same so that bringing i like it he's bringing the variety out that's props i try well that's um, because from here on out it's it's my holy trinity so it there, there's no sway yeah, I'm there there's be a lot of overlap once we get to our top three but yeah um well uh, no i i'm sure actually we'll have some overlap um my number four um and again probably breaking with you know vince was mentioning that uh he really isn't in the political cartoons um but my number four is Bloom County by Mr. Berkeley Brethid. Um, so th- this was kind of a tough one to categorize for a couple reasons. Um, when I say it's my, fa- it's one of my favorites, I- I'm really spe- specifically speaking about its first incarnation. Um, he, Ber- Berkeley ran the, 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 this from 1980 to 89. Uh, then he ended up basically doing the same kind of comic with spin-out characters, uh, two other series called Outland and Opus um, that came after this. And I'm fans of those too. I almost kind of consider them just continuations of this, but, but, um, but oddly enough, he, he returned to doing Bloom County back in 2015 and continues to do it. Uh, I have not read a single um, panel from the return version, so I can't speak to that at all. Um, I know he's been very political in that, very anti-Trump, that sort of thing. So there's been a lot of love-hate thrown his way, depending on which side you sit. But I, again, I have no frame of reference for that whatsoever. Um, but the original, again, ran from 80 to 89, and that was, I was born in 74. So uh, certainly in the beginning, there were things that, that happened that I, I probably went over my head. But where I love this more than, say, Doonesbury, which is probably the more critically acclaimed uh, or, quote-unquote, important 
uh, comic of its time, um, is that Doonesbury was like, I thought, 100% political. Whereas a kid, I, 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 I just didn't get the jokes. I, I didn't oftentimes just didn't get it. Whereas with Bloom County, I thought it was like a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Because for those not familiar, it was uh, Berkeley. It was basically a, a set in a small town uh, in Bloom County, um, middle America, if you will. I, I, I grew up in a small town. I mean, northeast, but but a small kind of suburban town. And, um, and it was set in a pretty crazy boarding home run by uh, the Blooms. Uh, the great Milo Bloom, who was one of the main characters, um, his grandparents ran it. And it just always introduced different characters. And sometimes the series would focus on one or two of those characters for long periods of time predominantly. And you would almost forget about the others or they would just be bit players. And then he would get their, the, the hankering to focus on those characters instead. And they would come to the forefront. So I always loved that the the series was different. It didn't just give you the same two or three key characters every day, every week. Um, and again, the, the most famous, no doubt, is uh, Opus, who is a silly, good-hearted penguin. And he became so popular, in fact, that, as I mentioned, <clears throat> Berkeley finished up his first incarnation of this and then ended up making uh, two other strips. Uh, Outland was... was uh, Opus was in that, and then he created Opus as a standalone Strip for some time, and, and Opus was a merchandising uh, dynamo. There were per- Opus stuffed Opuses and Opus T-shirts, and he was he was a breakthrough character. But I love Bill the Cat, who was this uh, basically was the anti Garfield. He was this skinny, dirty, angry cat. Um, you know, Portnoy, Steve Dallas. Uh, there were just a ton of interesting characters, and so um, I just vividly remember it. And the, and then as I got a little older started getting into my middle, late middle school, high school years when this was at its peak, um, I would often seek out uh, explanations to the references if I didn't get them. Uh, I'd ask my parents, hey, what does he mean by this? Or I would you know, go to the Encyclopedia Britannica because we had shelves and shelves of them and look it up. And uh, It would have been great to have the internet back then. made it a lot easier. But, uh, <laughs> but this, this is definitely a comic that made me think, but he did it in a way that it wasn't at the expense of it being funny or me enjoying it for what it was. So yeah, big big fan of uh, of, of Bloom County. Um, I will touch on that soon. All righty. Uh, so right now, my number three. Wait, wait, not Serpentine Dog. Serpentine. Oh, you go again. I'm sorry, my bad, my bad. Serpentine Dog. I'm my bad, bro. Come on, bro. See, oh. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, All right, he's excited. Um, based on my intro and Vince's sighing over it, he's probably going to be very disappointed in my number three, but I don't know how a person born in 1974, uh, couldn't have this, uh, at least vie for top five honors. And that is Garfield by Jim Davis, uh, created in 1978, still running. Now, admittedly, like all these things, I haven't read a Garfield comic strip in a long, long time, but, uh, listen, as a kid, uh, as a little kid, this was the breakthrough strip for me, and I think part of it was the way it was repackaged. I um, just loved Shocker here as a nerd, nerdy kid. I loved the bookmobile, which they would bring to the school, and you could go in with your 5 or $10, whatever your parents would give you, and go and buy a bunch of cool books, and I always bought collections of strips, usually. Uh, and Garfield was always the first one I looked for. Anytime there was a new Garfield collection, I would buy it and go home and read it voraciously. And very, very simple 
strip, not ground. I mean, not 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 really creating any new ground. It was a story of a uh, of, of a dude named John Arbuckle and his uh, cat who was uh, basically ran ran the roost. Garfield, the fat cat, he loved lasagna, and uh, and they also had a, a, a insane, somewhat um, almost like I don't know, special needs type of dog named Odie. And then later on, there were there were uh, other characters most most memorably for me, Normal, who was the cutest kitten ever, so kind of uh, the antithesis of Garfield. And uh, yeah, just listen, I, I I can I say as a kid, it made me laugh. I thought it was funny. I I have no doubt that if I read it now, it probably wouldn't wouldn't resonate as much because uh, I'm a grown ass man now. But uh, but for me, this was the the thing when I think of comic strips. Um, Unlike Peanuts, my enjoyment of Garfield was primarily in strip form versus the cartoons or the movie or anything like that. It was for me, it was the strip. When I think about it, I think about the comic strip. So that's why it's number three for me. No shame. <laughs> uh, Garfield is, um, it was, it was, I'd buy the collections whenever they were off from Scholastic. Uh, it was, yeah, no, it was not, not a day went by where I didn't read a Garfield strip. It was, um, it was definitely a, uh, one that I couldn't ignore. And I, I would chuckle from time to time, but, uh, I, I can, I can respect the being on a, on a top five list because it has been so long lasting. And, you can't, uh, and and like you, I, I kind of just, I, I tend to limit myself to, to the strips when it comes to Garfield. Boom. Yep. Now you're super excited. So go ahead and drop. Now I'm super excited. Um, my number three, um, can tend to flip flop with number two depending on the day. But for now, I'm going to say, uh, number three is the Far Side by Gary Larson. Uh, the only single panel comic strip on my list um i laughed at many of the uh of the captions to the to, to the panels um i enjoyed gary larson's style his art style and of course um his wit it's um my brother once for my birthday, gave me a birthday card, which was from uh, from the far side, and it's the uh, it's it's the kid pushing on the door to school, um, and the door clearly is labeled with a pull sign, and there's a sign in the foreground for the school that says um, Midvale School for the Gifted, and my brother wrote a note basically implying that this is why I cut school so often is because I couldn't get in, but the uh, the far side definitely was, and it's still one of those strips where at the time when my father would give me the paper, he would mention, you know, make sure you read today's far side. And, and it's a lot of what, um, the, the jokes or the punchlines from, from Larson would, um, tend to be things that would quite easily be said in my family or circle of friends. And it, it, um, this type of sense of humor that that resonated, but I, I enjoyed it a lot. And just I don't always enjoy the single panels, but uh, Farsight is an example of it being done extremely well. Love it. Yep. Well, my number three is uh, another cat. 
but not Garfield. It is, of course, George Harriman's Crazy Cat. Oh, I was going to say Heathcliff. No, which I, I, I consider Crazy Cat the pinnacle of uh, artistic achievement in the, in the comic strips. Um, even though I have two strips that outrank it in my list, I think visually Crazy Cat is the top of the heap. It, I do not believe it gets any better than Crazy Cat, uh, at least visually. Mm-hmm. Uh, surreal, the the environments are just jaw-dropping, and, and, and they look like they're on another planet. Um, the, the language Harriman uses whenever Crazy addresses anything or, or, or speaks at all, he calls Ignatz his little angel, and the way the spelling and the phonetics and just the it, it's just so strange and it's in the end it, i mean it's all about love right um yeah. crazy loves ignatz ignatz wants nothing to do with him officer pup loves crazy and he protects the cat and uh, from from ignatz the mouse who's constantly throwing bricks at his head uh it's to me it's i mean this thing is unparalleled it's it's a it's a when when you enter into Harriman's world it it's a total mindscape there's it, it is unlike anything um it's bleak and desolate but it's all about love and it's just this these these characters trying to vie for each other's attention and and Ignat's just flipping bricks around all over the place i love it i can re- and i have the entire fanographics uh repro issues or, or books and i go back to them all the time because it's just it's a singular entity there's really nothing that that envelops you as successfully i think as crazy cat nice yeah. i've never read it it's insane yeah mm. it's, it's it's just so strange so bizarre yeah. yep that's three and what's your number two well, I struggled, but I had to go with E.C. Seeger's uh, Popeye for my number two. I love the character of Popeye. <laughs> Everybody perceives him as an un- uneducated buffoon, yet he ends up solving things where other characters overlook them. And he just wants to get with his girl, Olive. And sometimes she's, well, Olive's very fickle. Sometimes she, she throws Popeye a bone. Other times she goes with Pluto. But again, it's, it's, the, it's, 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 the, <laughs> it's the cartooning. Um, not only Seagar, but uh, later on Bug, Bud Sagendorf. Oh, my God. The drawing is just beautiful. Um, and again, I like, a, as you can tell from my list, I like a lot of strips that, the creators play with language. I mean, Popeye's frequently di- disgustipated, and he just mm-hmm. makes makes up words and combines words. Like Guil. Yeah, and um, the inflection in his voice and the the, the phrasing and the way Seeger, um, you know, re-spelled uh, things or jammed words together. I like when they play with language because the the way you pronounce it is the way it sounds in 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 your head right there's, yeah there's mm-hmm. no other way to to say it and mm-hmm. I, I it just gives you a, a a little more insight into the way these characters are moving and speaking and acting and communicating i did um popeye again i mean i have statues and tons of popeye memorabilia it's just i i love the character he's so honest 
you know? Mm-hmm. And then uh, he eats the spinach and wasn't always that way, but he eats the spinach and becomes super, super powerful and can do anything and cleans up. Um, you're going to see this with my number one choice, but I enjoy the Popeye cartoons, but not more than the strips. Sure. Yeah. What did you think of the movie? I oh, love God. the movie. I love the, the movie's great. Oh, I think so, too. I, I think it's one of the best adaptations. I really do think that movie's gotten lost in the ether. And it's oh, just, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, Williams and, was just a master. Yes. I thought that was... Yes. And uh, Shelley was all of it. Yeah. I mean, it was... Uh, as a kid who... And I think I, I'm... Again, maybe a little bit with our age difference. For me, I thought I thought of Popeye more as a cartoon. I mean, I was definitely aware of it being a strip, so I'm not saying it. But but I, but but that movie just I remember as a kid just thinking the movie was just it was magical to see cartoon characters come to life like that because this predated that movie predated most uh, most of everything that we take for granted now in terms of seeing our fictional comic characters come to life. It just that that kind of thing didn't happen. Right. So to see them do it, yeah. Yeah, that I, was a big budget movie back then, and a, time. It and was, a total flop too. Yeah, an absolute commercial, uh, a huge commercial failure. Yeah. Makes no sense to me because it, yeah. it, it's uh, in my eyes, it's pretty flawless. I and, remember it as being. I haven't seen it in God, fifteen, twenty years at least. But I, I remember loving it. Yeah, I constantly think about the music from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. just the way Robin Williams mumbled, like <laughs> yeah. that was and Popeye constantly mumbled in in the strip, and 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 again with the language, just busted words together and broke things apart and moved mm-hmm. them around, and it, it's so. There's a grotesque quality to the movie that I think the strip has yeah. too. And it, I don't know if I ever sold, showed you because I probably didn't because I didn't want to hear your body retorts but uh beth and i went as popeye and olive oil to a costume party a few years what? ago oh my body retort yes i would probably yeah yep and it was she went she went a sexy olive oil of course yeah. <laughs> can i see pictures i will i have some i'll show them to you all right only if you're on your best behavior though uh, not, no, gonna, not gonna happen it. yeah <laughs> all right dad what's your number two uh my number two is a strip that um is no longer being produced. Uh, it is probably a favorite. It's it's probably a um, the number one for many people our age, um, and that would be Calvin and Hobbes by Bill Watterson. Uh, it was a strip that just I mean I love Watterson's style. I love that. Uh, the Calvin and Hobbes strip was larger than the other strips on the page. Um, the whole idea of of Calvin and the adventures he'd go on with this stuffed tiger, who of course was real to him, it just it it wasn't a it wasn't in the vein of um, you know Christopher Robin and and Winnie the Pooh, whereas you you never thought and. You'd look at you know this kid talking to his stuffed tiger and, and wonder if, if everything's all right, but you know it wasn't the type of strip that you would always laugh. But Calvin's attitude and and his humor, whether he's ribbing on on his father or being a pain in the ass to mom, um, 
it just he he behaved like a kid. I read it and it and it sounded like a kid. It was there were maybe some slightly older humor going on with with what he would say, but he still felt to me uh, like a kid. But it was it's it's very close to my heart. It's it's um, my brother on is has a massive shoulder tattoo of Calvin and Hobbes because uh, it's pretty much been his favorite strip ever. Um, Scotty, uh, Scotty Young has a huge Calvin and Hobbes on his forearm. Okay. Um, it's just, it's, it's, yeah, I can't, there's, there's one strip. There, there are a few, there are a few comic strips that, um, there's one particular, um, whether I think of of Wizard of Id or you know, any random comic strip, there's generally a one one daily strip I can think of that that, that makes me that, that that I recall when I think of a certain strip. And there's there's one for Calvin and Hobbes that um, it just it always makes me laugh. And I, I it is by far one of the most precious things I was able to to have that was made available to me in my lifetime where I was there when it started and when it ended. I, I didn't have to, I, I wasn't lost or wondering where the joke was because, you know, like Doonesbury or for better or for worse, things that started before I started reading comic strips where here I was in from the beginning and I read every single one and I loved every single moment of each of them. Respect. All right, time for my number two. Uh, my number two is Daps number three, The Far Side by Gary Larson. Nice. Uh, you summed it up beautifully, so I don't have a lot to add. I will just echo what you said in the sense that it is the only single panel um, strip on my list. And for my money, since uh, we're nothing if not prone to hyperbole, uh, I don't think anyone has ever done single strip uh, cartooning better. I, I think that uh, this was a comic that I would often cut out the strips and use them. I would make, uh, I would put them in birthday or Christmas cards or Father's Day cards, or I would save them because they seemed poignant. There was always a strip that that was pointed to the moment, and um, I don't know how we did it. But uh, the other thing too is that uh, they're they're timeless. I. I I think um, I have the complete far side, as I'm sure many people do. Nice hardcover. And uh, I could go after the show and open it up and just do a random page, and, and it's going to be funny, even if I've read it before. It's just, yep. it's just, it, it's timeless humor. And we talked about the economy of having to do a strip. I mean, it's even harder to just do a, just do a panel. And damned if that dude didn't have an off the charts hit rate. I mean, um, I don't know what Gary ended up doing after 1995, but you have to think if he wanted to, he probably could have been a insanely wealthy uh, comedic scriptwriter if he wanted to, just because he has such a sharp sense of of how to make a joke hit in a very short period of time or with a few words. So, yeah, um, I'm right there with you. Far side is my number two, and um, probably no surprise to most um, since I haven't mentioned it yet. My number one is. Daps number two, which is Calvin and Hobbes by Will Watterson. Uh, again, you summed it up beautifully. 
for me, the reason that it's number one is because of all of these strips. This is the one that has had a significant impact on my life in two different periods of my life. Um, like Dap uh, and really anyone our age, I read this from start to finish in its uh, intended syndicated for our you know published form uh which ended in 1995 um interesting thing about this for those that don't know um one of the main reasons it ended when it did was because uh comic strips were becoming big big business um you had so many of these making tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars in profits in other ways whether it be cartoons or t-shirts and mugs and posters and books and everything and 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 waterson just wasn't interested just wasn't his thing. He just he kept eschewing. He he was okay with reprinting his stuff into into book form because he wanted other people to he he, he wanted he liked the idea of, of people having outlets other outlets to read it, but he had no interest in syndicating this beyond its intended form. And uh, while you can respect him for that, you can understand why the syndicates that were his partners of all these guys, it just got frustrating for them because uh, they knew that he was he was putting possibly billions of dollars over the life of it. Um, to the side, and uh, he eventually said, "Fuck it! Not only am I gonna not, to get, not, not only am I not gonna gonna sell out, I'm gonna stop making the comic too." And um, so he he's one of those guys that ended on a high note. It was at its peak popularity when he ended it. Um, and then and then so as much as I loved it while it was coming out, for me, um, this and and if you've listened to the show for a long time, you know this because I used to talk about it. But uh, when the complete Calvin and Hobbes three volume slipcase came out. I bought it. And, uh, this is one of those things that I would read to my two older sons all the time. Um, anytime I was putting them to bed, we would pull out one of the volumes and just randomly flip open a page, uh, with no, no purpose and just read a bunch of panels, a few pages until it was time for bed. Um, and they just adored it. And so it was one of the first geeky things that I had, uh, the good fortune to share with my kids. And so that will mean that will always mean a lot to me because when I think of my, my two oldest who are now 14 and 16, when I think about those early years of uh, when they were the young bucks, they that's, I, I can't help but think of, of Calvin and Hobbes when I think of that time. So uh, this, this book gave me the feels as a kid and it gave me the feels as a dad. So uh has to be my number one. Has to be. Um, yeah, it's that's that three volume hardcover still eludes me. I don't have it yet. I have the the two volume Farside collection. I absolutely adore that. Um, but I will get the uh, the Calvin and Hobbes slipcase um, because I need it to go with all of the library editions of the Bloom County collection that I'm working on because that is my number one um Mm -hmm. as you you pretty much summed it up extremely well bloom county was just something that um i loved berkeley's style i loved his art style um loved the cast of characters um opus of course was the one you took pity on and and he just he he um he was he was just the he was your eyes and ears and, and he was the one who um I think a lot of well, the younger you were probably related to. Um Steve Dallas was we the the whole the whole group and, and I mean I 
I bought each collection as they came out. I freehand drew the collection covers. Um, and I just, anytime, and, and I double dipped and now triple dipped on the collections. I'd buy the, the smaller ones and then I'd buy the, the bigger treasury editions when those were available. Um, mostly for the extras because I, I read every strip I, I didn't go by when I didn't read it. Um, I loved Billy and the Boingers. I, I played the hell out of that um, Plexi record that, that came with that collection. Um, there was just, whether they were, you know, yeah, it, it was anyone a Pulitzer for political cartooning. So you can't say that it wasn't a political strip, but it, it I didn't view it as that, especially when he's making fun of things like Bruce Willis or Oliver is hacking in with, uh, with his mock Apple computer. I just, it made fun of everything else going on in, in not just the world, but also my world. It just, it, it made it a comfortable read. Um, Outland was the Sunday only strip, which pretty much just kind of kept with the Opus and Bill and, um, and of course, the rodent who was the knockoff of of Mickey Mouse and Milk Toast and Opus. The strip had its moments as well. Um, I haven't read too many of the Facebook or Go Comics um, revisitation of of Bloom County. Um, as much as I love the original, there are some things where I, I don't I don't want it to dilute what I enjoyed. And I'm sure he's still, he's still witty and, and I'll check it out from time to time, but I don't, I don't feel the need to read it every time one comes out, but it is, um, yeah, it's been a strip that I just absolutely adore. I, I can't think of, um, anything bad about it, even, even if, if the joke didn't land for whatever reason, I just I still got to look at Berkeley's drawings and and seeing these crazy characters. And Cutter John was I mean he's doing a wheelchair and he's, mm-hmm. he's he's got the spotlight and it's just I yep. Steve Dallas was such a prick, but I mean he you you couldn't stay mad at him. It it was it was it was a crazy. Str- it's probably the one that feels most like a comic strip from the old time comic strips where there was just some crazy shit, like whether it was in little Abner or anything like that, where it's just, you know, I, 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 some of the other strips that I have kind of have a, like with Foxtrot, it's about a family and nothing, nothing supernatural or outlandish is happening there. But Bloom County is a strip about a, a, a talking penguin who looks more like a puffin and a hedgehog and a rabbit and a couple of dudes and, mm-hmm. and some kids. And it's just like, it's, it's the most comic strippy comic strip on my list. But, uh, yeah, I can't, um, I'm glad that, uh, that it, it, it exists, but that it existed. And it was, uh, between with, I made sure I read the far side, Calvin and Hobbes and Bloom County every day. Awesome. Yep. Well, my number one, it, it if our planet was ever surrounded by aliens and they offered us to prove our worthiness in exchange for our survival, this is the one thing we could give them 
um, to show that, yeah, we deserve to continue. I think it, it's one of not not comic strips' greatest achievements. I think it's one of mankind's greatest achievements. Whoa. Yes. And um, from its inception, produced by one man, uh, I'm, of course, talking about Peanuts. I don't think there has ever been a comic strip that ever comes close to the uh, magnitude of what Sparky achieved with Peanuts. Um, to take a unrefined, ratty line, uh, a shaky line, and turn it into these beautiful children, not all of them were beautiful, but uh, cumulative, Th these beautiful children showed me that you don't have to be uh, a consummate draftsman to pierce the brains of your audience. Uh, I don't think there's many characters out there, uh, fictional characters created, that uh, have pervaded the our, our culture uh, to the degree as as much as Charlie Brown and 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 the Peanuts gang. I, I think Peanuts is on the level of um superman and and even even higher than superman uh it's a sacred work for me and you mentioned uh going into this about the the tv shows being um superseding the the strips for you i hated the tv shows when i was a kid <laughs> i absolutely hated them because my peanuts my my characters were moving and talking and they were animated and no they they moved and talked and lived mm -hmm. and breathed in my mind. I didn't need to see them. I, I mean, I watched them. Everybody did. Mm -hmm. and, and and I still do to some uh, extent. I could have done without the adults. I didn't need to know that, you know, when they hear, I, I didn't. Because in the strips, there was never adults. So yeah. I no, I kind of like the adults. The warp, 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 that, that their language was on a different plane than the, the children's. I thought that was brilliant. Well, now I do, but that back then it was, I just thought, wow, that's kind of neat. You know, the adults don't make any sense, just like mom and mm -hmm. dad. <laughs> They're just spouting gibberish. But, um, the, the, it, it's, for me, it's, it, it, this is, this is the, the pulpit. This is church. I, I, I don't, I, I consider peanuts very sacred. That's why when Boom, um, started the, the quote new peanuts books. It's a travesty. It's heresy. No one should ever produce a peanut strip other than Charles Schultz. Yeah, I agree with you there. It's, it's ridiculous that they would. No, it's 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 blasphemy. And uh, the movies, I don't even. I I didn't see the animated one. It doesn't even exist to me. I don't care how good it is. The mm -hmm. peanuts for me exists in two dimensions, flat on a play on a page, and yet it's it's much more than this two D thing. It's this these kids are multifaceted. Um, we can go into the archetypes of Charlie and Peppermint Patty and Lucy. That's all been done before, but it it is a it is a stellar monumental achievement in any um, realm of art, whether you know prose or or, or cinema or or, or uh, single images or any any kind of art, I think peanuts rises to the top, regardless of what we're talking about. It it is it is a one of mankind's greatest achievements, and it was done by one dude. Yes, it was marketed to fuck, but 
you know, I mean, the guy, he had to eat. And, and it, I, 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 it just still staggers me whenever I read a single strip and you get so much in three panels or four, but more often than not, you know, three, you get so much insight into who these children are that that is so hard to do. It's it's so multi-layered and multifaceted. I, I just I adore every every single line Schultz did. And did you ever see whenever they would blow up the drawings, like there'd be cardboard cutouts of of Schultz's drawings, and and you look at the line, the line is disturbingly ratty. Yeah, he yeah, yeah, yeah. shakes like a like yep. like someone with uh, uh, go, going into a seizure. I mean, the, it's just it's it's not sculpted or refined at all. And that even spoke more to me. You can get dirty and 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 grungy within and still reach billions of people. It's I I just think it's the pinnacle. Hard to argue. Yeah. Props to you. Love it. Love and, it. And we've had omissions. I mean, I should have yeah, had. Well, hmm? I should. Well, if you want to go into the omissions. Well, I was going to say we we did solicit commentary from our illustrious patrons, so they may cover some of the omissions. And then, well, let's hear them. All right. So, um, Trevor Williams mentioned that. Um, for him, it's Calvin and Hobbes, but he said that uh, the thing that he loves about Bill Watterson is that he's still producing a little bit of work each year between his annual collaborations with Berkeley Breathed and his week-long guest appearance on Pearls Before Swine. There's just enough of him to make us see how he still has it and miss him anew. Now, uh, that Pearls Before Swine would fall into the category, uh, along with Dapp's first two, I've never read it. Oh, wow. So, you know yeah, nothing about it, but it was <laughs> on a lot of top 10 lists. Of, so wow. definitely one of those that uh, probably is an omission, but I, I know nothing about it. So It's funny. It's it's a little um, – it can be a little pointed. It, it can be a little mean, but it's um, – I, I do enjoy it. I, I have a coworker who gets the um, – the, the calendar a day and and um he'll usually leave the strips on my desk so i can read a few at a time but it's um it yeah no i i it's it's like i started reading it around the same time as get fuzzy but um get fuzzy makes me laugh pearls before swine um it'll make me chuckle but it won't uh it it it's one of those things where it's like I know people like this in the world that I don't I don't want to read about them every day. Gotcha. Uh, Juan Manuel says he considers himself a comic book super fan, but thinking about it, comic strips have had a profound impact on his life. His mom taught him to read with peanuts. Uh, his grandfather would cut out Prince Valiant strips for him to read over the summer. His wife and he first bonded by sharing. Um, uh, Mafalda uh, with uh, Calvin and Hobbes collections. His daughters adore mutts, uh, which again is another strip I don't think I've ever read. And Ogloff was his way into web comics and a fun, fun, naughty read. Uh, our longtime buddy, Mr. Chris Chavez, who I believe deserves uh, some love. I think his son graduated from high school this week. And uh, speaking of that, shout out to our good friend Hassan, whose daughter graduated today or, or Friday, so sometime in the last few days. Uh, Chavez said he owned so many Garfield and Peanuts collections growing up, 
So those are probably some of his favorite strips ever. That being said, he still considers Calvin and Hobbes to be the goat of comic strips. So let's see what else we got here. Moving over to the Slack, uh, Mr. Mike Del Vecchio says his favorites are certainly Calvin and Hobbes in the far side. Calvin was the first time it felt like this was something that he could call all his. Uh, then his dad got him into far side. He may not have gotten all the jokes at the time, but he loved reading them with him, meaning his dad. Um, now, Caleb, our buddy, Mr. Caleb Alexander McKinsey, uh, challenges us. And uh, to his point, I think um, I'm, I'm glad he did because we haven't mentioned these yet. He said he thinks we have to talk about Lee Fox, Mandrake, the Magician, and the Phantom, if for no other reason than they gave birth to the superhero genre. Anyone want to speak on Lee Fox and Mandrake and the Phantom? I love them. And you can find them in Comics Review. Reprint it. I got to admit, probably not surprising to those of you who know I'm not much of a Pulp fan. I <laughs> This was one of the comics I was kind of salty existed when I would read it as a kid and think, let's kick this out for something else. Hmm. I know, it just didn't resonate with me. I read the Phantom then. a lot more often than I ever read. I don't think I've ever had a newspaper that had the I just feel like the Mandrake. Phantom, five out of seven panels, he was on a horse in the jungle somewhere. <laughs> and oddly enough, there are two characters that were scooped up by Dynamite um, at least a couple of years ago when they did the the, the King. Uh, well, they yes, they but but King's the, the King's speech was also the... Um, uh, Took me back to the, the the Defenders of the Earth afternoon uh, True. cartoon. Yep. Um, Ian Spillane said Calvin and Hobbes would be his choice for favorite. Uh, Kevin Quas said he read comics every morning when he was a kid, much like us. Uh, his favorite early on was Dennis the Menace. And he remembers going to the bookstore to get uh, the small paperback collections. Oh, yeah. Uh, he even... Uh, Kevin even wrote Hank Ketchum as a kid and got a letter back and an autograph. Ooh. He uh, collected some Dairy Queen cups as a kid. He was fairly early on with Calvin and Hobbes and has the complete collection and is gifted to many people. Um, and then uh, John Rafferty says for him it was always Calvin and Hobbes in Bloom County. Uh, Rod Hedrick would have said Doctor Who if it was ever a web. I'd say that. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> he, said, he said some of his favorites were Foxtrot. There you go. Non sequitur. I love that strip. Um, me too. I didn't read it for long because it was a little later starting. I, I, I definitely did read it for a little bit and liked it. Um, High and Lois. That's a fun one. Pearls Before Swine. For Better For Worse. Nice. Zits and, of course, Peanuts. <laughs> Zits is funny. Um, John O, Mr. O'Neill said, God help me as a kid. It was all about Garfield. As I got older, Bloom County and Farside really shaped his humor. Um, uh, let's see. Chris comic book DB said uh, he was a huge fan of Garfield as a kid as well. Uh, and then Farside, Calvin and Hobbes, the boondocks and Foxtrot. Boondocks. So yeah, shout out to the boondocks. Yeah. Sure. Um, Frank Lanza said, I think the far side pretty much shaped his sense of humor. Uh, was a huge Calvin and Hobbes and Hagar the Horrible fan as well. Excellent. The Sunday Funnies were the first thing he went for when his dad was done reading the paper. Uh, and he gives a late uh, shout-out to Mother Goose and Grimm. Oh, that's good. That was fun. 
John Rafferty was big into BC and the Wizard of Id. Shout out to both of those, yes. Uh, Trevor Plop said, um, Reverend Fun was, uh, was his, I don't know this one. He actually posted a, a panel from it uh, for us to enjoy. I, I'm not familiar with that. Reverend Fun, interesting. Um, oh, here's a question. Rod Hedrick asked us a question. If you could own one original art piece from a strip creator, what strip or strips would you buy? Vince, I guess we know your answer. It's oh. probably all. I mean, our answers are probably our number ones, right? I mean, yeah. uh, no, no. All right. Well, Vince, yours would be a peanuts strip. Damn right. For a little before you give yours, David. One thing about peanuts strips, which is interesting. Um, a few years ago, when I hosted that panel on original art collecting at Heroes, the gentleman um, Andy, who who runs the panels at Heroes every year, he he has a peanuts comic strip art page and was going to bring it. But the interesting thing uh, for those of you that are art collectors, and I don't know why this is, but um, it is one of the most controversial original art uh, uh, subgenres because for some reason there is an insane amount of counterfeit Charles Schultz art out there. And uh, it's one of those things like it's very difficult to know for sure that what you're buying is re- is real. Um, I, and I don't know why it's it's more him than so many other uh, creators, but for some reason it is very very. There's a, a ton of 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 Fugazi, uh peanut strip art out there. So buyer beware, I guess if uh, if you ever do have a chance to buy it. So um, so Dap, if if yours wouldn't be Bloom County, what would it be? Uh, there. Are- there are two that immediately come to mind. One is a peanut strip, which is just three panels. It's Snoopy. And it's what, what I enjoy about what I absolutely adore about this strip. It's the very first time I ever saw Snoopy with a three quarter profile. He wasn't, it wasn't a side profile at all. And it was the cutest little face, but it's, it's a leaf falling down on the ground. And before it gets to the ground, Snoopy puts his paw on it and then picks his paw up, looks at the leaf and just says, I killed it. And between just that one simple thought bubble and his face, love that strip to no end. The one that I always think about from Calvin and, from Calvin and Hobbes that I would love to own is Calvin is, it's, um, it's, it's four panels instead of the usual, it's four panel strip. Calvin says, uh, here comes Mo, the class bully. He's not smart, but he's streetwise. And the third panel is just Mo walking right past Calvin for once instead of picking on him. And Calvin looks straight at the reader with that silly triangle smile on his face and says, that means he knows what street he lives on. And any t- that first time I read it, cracked me the hell up. And mm-hmm. I constantly think about that Calvin strip. More than, than Spaceman Spiff, more than him hanging and picking on, on Susie. It doesn't matter what else was going on um, in Calvin and Hobbes, but that that one always, I think back of that, always makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it would definitely be Calvin and Hobbes. And, and um, specifically, if I ever got a chance to own a Spaceman Spiff uh, strip, that would be the the end all be all because um, 
while my boys love all the Calvin and the Hobbes, it was always we kind of would cheat because, like I said, we'd open up randomly to pages. But if I opened up enough random pages and we didn't find a Spaceman Spiff page, they would always want me to seek one of them out before they went to bed. So, um, yeah, I mean, Waterson, Waterson's one of the, he's one of the, like, you know, he's he's also doesn't give a lot of interviews. He doesn't sell his art like there's just a lot. He's he's he's, he's quite the, the mystery man. Um, Kevin Quas uh, gave us his, his his top five beyond the first two that he already mentioned, and that is for better or for worse. Zitz, Bloom County, Foxtrot, and Dilbert. There's another one that we hadn't mentioned, Dilbert. Yeah, um, Dilbert fell out of favor with me. Same. I used to read it religiously. But I'm yeah. with you. I I I I would have probably in another time if we did this list, it would have it would have been strong contender for my number five spot. Yeah. But uh, but for reasons we don't need to get into, it ain't happening. Um, <laughs> uh, Trevor Plop, and this is the last comment from our awesome patrons. So thank you all, because you all chimed in. We didn't give you a lot of time on this. Uh, as a kid and into his 30s, comics were so much more relevant. His parents' sister, and he read the multiple pages of comics, uh, each having favorites. He read everything except Mary Worth, which I've never heard of. Oh, uh, <laughs> Peanuts, Marmaduke. Wizard of Id, BC, Beetle Bailey, Spider-Man, Prince Valiant, and many others. He remembered how huge Garfield was when it started. Everyone at school is familiar with him in the other comics. And the book collections were omnipresent and heavily promoted bookstores. Uh, he had been getting comic strip collections for years before that. Small paperback collections of strips like Peanuts and BC. But the Garfield books were a cultural phenomenon. Comic strips were always part of his life. And while he can't be 100% sure... Uh, must have been key for him and other kids to grow into comic books. It's like we said at the beginning, very much true, I think, uh, Trevor. Strips were just a daily part of life for almost everyone he knew. They grew up in the 70s. There were fewer entertainment choices, no internet, etc. Everyone bought from bought the newspapers, etc. Uh, more later, perhaps on the revolution for him, were the trio of Calvin and Hobbes, Farside, and Bloom County. Boom! Again, boom. Right, right, at, right with you, Trev. Right with you, my friend. So... Um, thank all of those people. Thank everybody for their comments. Uh, so in terms of others that we missed, um, Vince, did you have some, did you want to rattle some off? Or? Oh, I have a ton. Like it, it just boggles my mind that I didn't find a place for the spirit or Linda Berry stuff. Like I, I would buy the, I would get the village voice just to read Linda Berry's, um, comic strip that ran in there. It's the only place I could get it. Uh, there, jeez, I mean, I, I can think of a, a hundred of them. Tarzan, Mandrake, uh, St- uh Mil- anything by Milton Kniff should, mm-hmm. should be on your list, right? But since we're, we whittled it down to the ones that, you know, really, really resonated or sunk, sunk their claws into us, I, you know, I had to go with what I went with. But, um, and it's odd because a lot of the ones you guys picked, I uh, I didn't find in a lot of value in some of them. Yeah, I, I I would imagine it's also tied to age a little bit. I think so. Like that few extra years makes the difference, right? Yeah, there are universal right. truths though, like Calvin and Hobbes. If you don't find value in that, then I don't know what what's going on in your head. But I mean, there there are there are some that just I I would they would just leave me flat. Sure. Well. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I. It also. Um, it, Rose is Rose by. Um, ah, Pat Rose Brady. is Rose. I yeah. that I would. Um, 
I would read that from Get Comics, from Go Comics. Yeah, I enjoyed I would, that. Yeah, uh, definitely enjoyed that. As a kid. I would send the strip to my wife because there's something in there that was cute that that, that reminded yep. me of us. Um, Liberty Meadows. I enjoyed the hell out of the Frank Cho strip when it was uh, when it was coming out. And now, see, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't put that in because I didn't read it as a strip. I I came to read it a lot of it, if not all of it, in collections. Right after falling in love with Frank as a comic book uh, yeah. illustrator, but yeah, I, I didn't read it as a strip. Uh, but there were, you know, for better or for worse, was absolutely one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, as one, it's Ben uh, Zitz is great. It's it's funny. Um, there's uh, you know Animal Crackers and some of the older ones like BC and oh, yeah. Bridge, which were mentioned. Yep. Uh, yeah, I um, it it's and it's not because they're not. On top of mine, I mean, there were just so many that it's 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 information overload. I, I uh, even, you know, there were times where yeah, I would read Annie, and just because it was there on the page. Oh yeah, but but rarely did I ever Nancy um, Blondie. Yeah, I and I even read Kathy. There's just uh, yeah. Nancy. I loved Nancy. Nancy was great back then. It's funny again now. Um, no, there isn't. Uh, there is. I oh. Um, there's Canderville and there's um, there's just there's there's some that are designed to just kind of it, it, it's like the the strip makers need more than one panel for a political cartoon they want to go mm-hmm. um, and talk about the the current events and um, and they'll take they'll take the whole three or four panel strip to do it and it's it's different, and and you're not going to find um, find them in the newspaper for for various reasons. And um, yeah, I think you know if if you if you're not reading the paper, if you're not sure of what's out there these days, then by all means, go to gocomics.com, check them out. You can read them for free on the site. You don't have to sign up for anything, but they're they're still out there. I, I know you know we have the um, the web comic category for the Oscars, but um, you know even though you may be reading it online it's it's still available in your local paper or your your um metropolitan newspaper and that's why i never really kind of got into the new york times or things like that it's like there's there's no comic strips here i don't know that this, <laughs> this newspaper makes no yeah. sense to me but yeah no i um i i do it's it's weird i think maybe if i made a point to read some comic strips um i'd like to do that i'd like to take the time in my day read a few strips and try to not necessarily reclaim that that any lost feeling but just see if it um if it makes a difference in in my outlook for the day um yeah for those that have listened to the episode and were hoping in our review of strips that we might delve into uh web comics i guess we all kind of we didn't we didn't plan for this but i guess we all didn't really go there and i think Maybe I don't want to speak for y'all, but it just seems like for me, I view web comics, even though they're very much the spiritual partner to to, to strips now, as, as as being its own thing. Just because when I think of strips, it's hard for me not to think of newspapers and print. Um, I'm not saying that's right. If you, if other if listeners feel differently, that more power to you. But I think that's at least why I didn't think to talk about web comics here tonight. Were you guys in the same boat? Well, I can't talk about what I don't read. So there's, sure, you know, there, sure. other than than Tom's, right, um, right. 
And yeah, Giselle, no, it's yeah. it's a different, or, I'm uh, Mike. What did I say, Tom? Mike, Mike Martin. and Giselle. Yeah, Giselle. yeah, yeah, um, and even that's and, and that's that's wrapping up soon as far as that um, Menage a Three goes. But it's um, I don't even though for most of them it's the same format. Not all of them take the full page um, approach, but I don't. Um, Right or wrong, I don't. Uh, if I'm talking about newspaper strips, I'm not going to include web comics in that same conversation. Yeah, same, same. Um, a few others that uh, not necessarily honorable mentions, but just comics that definitely I remember reading. Some I very much like, some I didn't, but we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, Ziggy. Uh, <laughs> oh, fun- yeah. Funky Winkerbean. Yep. And look at Vince. That makes you sigh. Mm, there's a there's a bunch of strips like I said that just didn't connect with me. Yeah, no, I wasn't a huge fan of that. Uh, Marmaduke. Same. Oh yeah, same. Um, Fred Bassett. Yeah, yeah, that I, I like that. That was one I read whenever I would visit my grandparents in Connecticut, and it was it it just reminds me of of them. So I just view it as an old strip or an mm-hmm. old people strip. But yeah. Uh, the Lockhorn, speaking of old people strips. Oh, yeah. I remember reading it, and then I always th- th- thought I got the jokes, but I just didn't think they were funny because I wasn't old. So I don't know, maybe I think they're funny now. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure, because it was, you know, just about an old curmudgeonly couple and uh, and their, their dealings with each other. Um, tumbleweeds? Yep. Yep. Um, it, the other famous orange cat, you, you mentioned it briefly, David, but, but Heathcliff. Never thought Heathcliff was as funny as uh, Garfield, but it is no. what it is. Um, uh, Life in Hell, which, yeah, again, I didn't read a lot of it. Like as it was coming out, I was aware of it, but for me, I just it, it wasn't something that was important to me in that form. That was in the voice too. Yeah, but I know that was very very important to a lot of people. Um, you did mention the Boondocks, but I, I think that probably didn't get as much love for us as we want. I'm surprised, Vince, you didn't shout out uh, Pogo at all. That seems like that'd be something you'd have some love for. Visually stunning, but it's just too... It, it was too uh, political for me. Got it. Got it. Um, Mother Gruesome Grimm, I think it was mentioned in one of our patrons' yep. lists, but yeah, that that was funny. I enjoyed that. Um, I can't remember the dog's name, but but I had... I remember I had a stuffed version of it that, that I... That was Grimm. The dog was Grimm. Oh, that was Grimm, yeah. yeah. That I won down the Jersey Shore. I remember that. It, uh, it was in my it was in my crib. Um, Blondie is in the top ten of a lot of lists. I I, I read it. It was always okay. I I I, I very much like the. Uh, I mean, I I, I like the art more than I think I've really ever cared about the story. Um, we didn't really talk about Beetle Bailey very much, but that was always funny. Did you did you guys like Beetle Bailey? Yeah, yes. yeah. I thought. I mean, I, I like the the shenanigans with the secretary. Of course, it did. Which was yeah, al- yeah. Always, always fun. But yeah. yeah, I mean, Beetle was was just a bumbling buffoon, and and yeah, I could you could relate mm-hmm. to him. And for what it's worth, um, there's a site called Ranker, right, where people go and vote. You know, click up, click down, and. Uh, so, if anything, it shows you, I think, the wisdom of the crowd, at least depending on your certain age demographic. So, Ranker's top ten, uh, many of these we've covered already were number ten, Blondie, number nine, The Wizard of Id, number eight, Dilbert, number seven, Beetle Bailey, 
Number six, Hagar the Horrible. Number five, BC. Number four, Garfield. Number three, The Far Side. Number two, Peanuts. And number one, Calvin and Hobbes. Well, there so you boom. go. Boom. Some good right. stuff there. There we go. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. All right, everybody. Hey, give it up to the patrons for uh, making this episode possible. Patreon.com forward slash Love O'Clock Comics. You can see what goes down, most of it, some of it. And uh, they're always willing to uh, to make with the the uh, the suggestions and the the, uh, the themed episodes, and we love them for it. They're just they're they're our our, our biggest supporters, and and so big gigantic man hugs to all of them for for being there. In your travels, I'm in floating world comics mode. Not mm. only from the uh, all time comics that I talked about last episode, but I recently received two OGNs put out by Floating World. And I hope to talk about both of them, but uh, I'll give you a tease. This one is called Dark Garbage by uh, John Michael Frank. I have a hard time summarizing what's going on here. But don't let that dissuade you. It's it's pretty bizarre, wonderful stuff. <laughs> it, it's about a female bodybuilder who um, is not happy unless she's getting all pumped up. And her name is Esther. Esther has a friend named Mona. And Mona is a butterfly that uh, that speaks, of course. But Mona is encased in a jar. She can't get, can't get free of the jar, but when Mona flies, the jar flies. Don't try and explain it. It, 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 it doesn't, it, it fails, uh, when you, when you try and summarize what's, what's going on here. There, there's no real logic to it, but, um, Esther's looking for an elixir. And the book is in the RPG realm. Um, there are, uh, comments uh, or or um connections with powering up and drinking in uh a, a plus 2 to strength uh potion and but i mean that's only a, a a mere part of it it it's just they Esther really hates life she doesn't fit in with anything um the the world around her is is a constant source of pain um it's it's really not a huge feel good book but it's presented in a way that is is very strange um and and wonderful at the same time there are uh chapter breaks and um jean michael will start a chapter break with a little bit of text and if you hope to glean anything about what you're going to read from the text you're sadly mistaken because uh, here here's a, an average one after the crisp loss of the Welkin crystal, Esther and Mona return to the same world again. Spikes and pills litter a table. Mood hammers the landscape. Another curtain. That's a period at the end of that. Another curtain, period. Another chime, period. Still absent of elixir, their lives sag the way a river droops when you dump something in it. And I can attest that 
in the following in the chapter that follows it not a, a small percentage of the things talked about in the text happen actually in the chapter it's it's bizarre the the, the panel borders are just lines there's no panel borders it's just a uh, a, line, a vertical line and two horizontal lines. That's your panel borders in this thing. Uh, images bleed right to the line. It's a very grotesque drawing style, but it's awesome. It's real. It's it's alive. Uh, and I loved every page of it. But um, to just gloss over it in like you know five minutes going into it in your travels, it just doesn't really do it justice. It's uh, there's medusas in here and. Uh, a man, uh, I think it's a man named uh, Poof, who kind of has two mouths and two two different faces going on within the the one when is within his one head. It just it's bizarre. It's 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 otherworldly, and it's I think it's worth a read because it's it's an experience that you're not going to get from you know your mainstream stuff. It's 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 it defies classification, really. And uh, I think Floating World is is on a roll. They're they're putting on some f fabulous stuff. So it's called Dark Garbage by uh, Jean Michael Frank. Check it out. Nice. Um, I'm not going to go too deep into this. It's the um, first issue of a five issue series. From Image, called Thumbs, written by Sean Lewis, art by Hayden Sherman, who, of course, we've talked about recently. Um, it's a nice, thick first issue. Uh, I picked it up, flipped through it at the um, at the shop, but I think I'm going to wait um, for the collection. But I, I really do like Sherman's art style here. Um, the... It uh, there's a lot of um, I guess some virtual reality and game playing, and I'm not I'm not even going to try to encapsulate what this thing is about. But um, if either of uh, you read it, we can maybe tag on it. But for now, I will just say that um, it was one of the more um, interesting first issues I've read in a while. I dig the um, the concepts that uh, that are being thrown out over here, uh, the characters like Thumbs, who's real name is Charlie, and um, his friend Nia um, seem to have each other's back. You would hope. Um, there's a bit of a fast forward kind of feel. Uh, someone wakes up from a coma. It's just it's Hayden's art works, but. Um, there are it's not something you can kind of just flip through and and read quickly it's um there's there's some things to unpack here it it, it kind of maybe feels a little bit like an alishko book but um not as uh not not in maybe his usual mocking way where you know if you if you don't get it then, then you just you got to catch up but um I enjoyed it a lot, and the session one little backup um, story that went on for a few pages. But I'll, I'll be back for the second issue to see what that's going on. Um, 
but yeah, in your travels, thumbs. Nice. Um, I don't know if either of you have had the chance yet, but um, I saw a preview today in the movies for a film for the first time. I hadn't seen anything on the web about it, and uh, boy, did I did it give me the uh, the the douche chills. It was mm. a preview for the Joker. Oh, the uh, Walking Phoenix movie. Yeah. I, I, I turned to Colin, my, my 16-year-old, and said, oh, boy, this is, I don't think this is going to be for me. Um, it, well, I don't So you didn't see the little teaser trailer from uh, a bunch of weeks back? No. This is the first time? Okay. Um, this may be the same thing. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um, this was a couple minutes long, so maybe it was a more fleshed out version. I don't know. Um, not for me. Did you, so, did you, if you've seen the teaser trailer, were you intrigued by it? It was interesting. Uh, I mean, it's not a it, it's not an opening weekend movie for me. I don't think. Right. But um, I, I can appreciate the take on it. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind something that helped me forget the. Um, Suicide Squad Joker, but mm. the I like Phoenix, so it's it's weird. I I don't know enough about it really. It's just it's yeah, it, it it's weird. Fair point. Uh, have you seen it, Vince? Yeah, I think it looks wonderful. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah, mix it up. We've seen multiple incarnations of the Joker on the screen. Why not try something new? I'm, I'm not yeah. beholden to the character. I guess we'll just have to see if I if I if it makes sense to give him an origin because seeing him as being a beaten up bully dude that takes care of his disabled mom is just not I, <laughs> like I just I don't I'm supposed to believe then he turns into a the world's smartest psychopath like I don't. I don't know. Well, we'll see. Um, can't judge a book until you've read the whole thing. Um, in spite of what people tell you. Uh, in your travels, uh, I've had this book on my list uh, that we keep, a little running list for some time, and I keep not getting around to it, so better now than or, or never. Uh, and that is uh, from DC, Under the Moon, A Catwoman Tale, uh, written by Lauren Miracle, with a Y, M-Y-R-A-C-L-E, uh, with uh, art by Isaac Goodhart and colors by Jeremy Lawson. Uh, it's a part of their new DC Inc. imprint, which is geared towards young adults, um, mid to late teens. Um, and it's a strange book because I think, objectively, it is a book that I can recommend to you now and say is well done. But it's also a book I didn't particularly enjoy very much, which is probably why I haven't brought it up. And that's because I'm not the intended audience for this. And there's lots of times where we may pick up a book that probably wasn't written with us directly in mind, but we can still enjoy it. And um, as I said, I appreciate the craft in this book, but this was definitely a book. And to their fairness, it was advertised as such um, meant for teenage women to read. Um, And it's geared towards that. So it's a very sad melodramatic look. at Selena Kyle's life. There's no superheroing in it at all. It's Selena as a kid, leading up to when she's going to probably very shortly thereafter become the Catwoman. Um, and it's, it's, it's graphic. She's sexually abused by her stepfather, um, which, which leads to her leaving the house and becoming homeless. And um, 
nothing necessarily that hasn't been hinted at in other um, ways in Selena's history. But um, yeah, it's 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 a book that probably will be well received and hit home for its target demographic. So I did feel like it was worth shouting out because that is why the imprint exists. So any of you that are listening that like YA in general, or if you have uh, young women in your life that are you're looking to help broaden their comic horizons, definitely pick this up. Um, I thought the artwork was solid. Um, it didn't, didn't, didn't knock my socks off, but I thought well, reasonably, reasonably well executed. So, um, I, I'm recommending this for a, sp- a specific niche of, of people, likely not our core listeners, but maybe someone that's listening has someone in their uh, circle of influence that would find this book to be top notch. Hmm. That, that was recently published too? Yeah, maybe a month, two months ago. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like I like I would be curious if your daughters would read it. Like if me, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, hell no, you, they don't. No, yeah. no, I'm saying you know what I mean. But like, I, it'd be geared to like that's who it's geared for. Right, right. So comics, they don't know comics. Yeah. Me, Mia loves manga, but the other no, they they wouldn't read it. But it would be nice if they did. But I, I yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it was, I, I found myself comparing this to. Um, that PTSD graphic novel I talked about a few months back by uh, Guillaume Singelin, the yeah. first second one, um, and and mainly because the, it's a it's a story about a, a homeless um, female protagonist. In, in that case, she's a war veteran, so very different than a teenager on the run from an abusive stepfather. But but I just I found myself as I was reading um, the Catwoman book, just thinking about PTSD and how much I loved it and thought how well executed it was. So. You know, some things are B, you know, some things are C pluses or B minuses. Some things are A's, right? Yep. It's true. Can't always click. This is facts. Yep. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us one more time. If you would like more stuff in this vein, come to the Facebook pages, the Instagram, the Twitter, and check out the patreon page patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics love to have you uh as we do here uh in the meantime say good night click 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 boom 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 david oh nice night No, no, boom, 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 no, bop, bop. No, David. No. There you go. Good going. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yes. Okay, guys and gals, we'll be back soon, sooner than you think. So uh, stay tuned, and uh, you never know what you're going to get. But it's going to be never something. Know. It's going to be something. Something, something. Yeah. Lead us out, man. Later, y'all. Bye bye.